So, Father Hyman, when you look at the world today, how would you describe some of its major challenges and some of the problems that we face, especially in relation to your ministry and your vocation as a Catholic priest? Yeah, you know, I, I think we're at a critical period. In fact, recently my bishop wrote an article uh, saying just that, that we're, we're facing a critical moment in time. And uh, I, I just think that the devil feels like he, uh, it, this is his time, and he can just come in and take control, and he's facing very little resistance. Um, and the resistance comes from uh, a people filled with the Holy Spirit, a people who are uh, supernaturalized, right? They're supernaturally strong. Um, I just feel like I'm in the school of thought that uh, Satan was given 100 years, I do believe that that hundred years is over, but the damage is now done. He didn't destroy the church completely, but we're in a shambles. And primarily because we've lost a sense of the sacred. We lost a belief, a real belief in the supernatural power of God. And once that happens, once he removes our battle armor and takes away our, our battle weapons, the supernatural ones, uh, it, it's real easy for him. And that's where it feels like right now, that it's just real easy for the devil to move in and take control. So how would you frame that if someone to like ask you the question like, okay, well, specifically like, well, how do we get here where we lost that sense of sacred during that hundred years? Like what are some of the things that we were responsible for, the things that we, we've we done and the things that we failed to do? What's some of the things that you say we've done and some of the things we failed to do to open us up in this way? Yeah, so we could look at the culture right now and we can see that the two prevalent uh, powers that the devil is is utilizing right now. One is pride, okay? And that's getting into people. And, and I think the way it's manifesting is, and I always use, you know, when I was growing up, there were little cliques over here and the popular kids. And, and I think there's a propensity in our own human nature to be among the popular kids or to be the, um, among the elites, right? And so I think that's in right now. That actually goes all the way back to the Garden of Eden, right? Uh, if you eat from that tree over there, you will become gods yourselves, and you will be able to dictate what's right and what's wrong, okay? Um, I'm paraphrasing that, but, you know, that's probably the best definition of what was going on there. But that's pride. That's the original sin. That's what's going on right now. Now, yes, we see it in the culture, all right? Uh, but we saw that in our church, that people are free to dispute what I'm saying here, but I believe we've passed through a period of time where pride got into uh, what's, what was considered an elite group of people, the scholars of our church or whatever you want to call them, those who wanted to be counted as the scholars of our church. And they came in and just, um, as we see in the culture, but we're the, we've arrived now. We're the generation that knows better than every generation that's gone before us. You see all that pride? And so let's get rid of the supernatural, you know, because that was, you know, a superstitious nonsense of our ancestors, blah, 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 right? And so I think, we, and, and we stripped out our churches, we, we thinned out the liturgy, we you know, we, we stop talking about such things as miracles and the miracle power of God, uh, all of that, all right? Once we lose that, once we lose that, then what do we become? We become a nice social club that does good things for other people, that we're a non-governmental organization. And, and you know, it's, it's, uh, 
It's one among many that we might want to choose. Do you see kind of the tone of my voice? That's what the devil wants us. You know, and so and so I think we pass through that. Now what we're, we're, what we're facing, too, is the other tactic the devil uses is fear. And um, try implementing as a priest in the modern era right now uh, things that help people become open to the supernatural power of God. Things like being more reverent at the Mass and things. Oh, my goodness. All right? I think a lot of pre priests aren't moving in that direction because the, the, the forces will destroy the priests but tear the parish apart. See, we're seeing it in the culture, too. But we also see it in the church right now. And so to restore that sense of the sacred, um, the, the, the use of fear is, is a strong weapon that the devil's using right now. So pride and fear... Mm -hmm. They're antithetical to our sense of the sacred. So you're saying we develop some sort of a greater, a greater drive or ambition, or we find more fulfillment in a way of pride, and we we find we have a greater sense of of this fear than we have a sense of the sacred. I think in priests' bones, okay, in in the essence of their being, their spiritual essence call it the subconscious, whatever. I think that we all know where we need to go. And um, this teaching that you're doing is recovering the sense of the sacred is the place we all know we need to go. But th there's a hesitancy, right? I don't want my parish destroyed. I don't want my ability to, to lead and to teach uh, compromised, you know, because they'll go after me, blah, blah, blah. And so... Uh, there's a there's a hesitancy to move in this direction right now, and what you're doing with this project is actually the 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 absolute necessary thing that we need to be doing right now, because that is the way the devil uh, uh, usurps power. That's the way the devil uh, gains control. Because see, we're only using our manpower to try to defeat him. Who is using a supernatural power against us? But once we once we once we uh, surrender to God's power, truly believe it. Okay, it's infinitely better, uh, more stronger than than the devil. But he needs to remove that that belief in the supernatural power of God first. One of the critiques of Pope Leo the Thirteenth of Freemasonry was that he was saying that Freemasonry is just really just practicing naturalism. And Clement XII said this as well. But Leo Thirteenth is. Um, and there's a cyclo humanogenous. He kind of broadened that out. Oh, they're just practicing naturalism. They just want you to just rely on your own, your own human strength, your own human effort. Just try to figure things out. Yeah. And some people may ask, they may look back, historians may look back some time from now and they'll look back to after Vatican II. And they, they may wonder, like, how did it happen so fast that the altar rails came out and that things right. just changed rather rapidly in the sense of the sacred was replaced with this sense of just naturalism. Like first I want to know whether do you, do you agree that we, we seem to have moved towards this sense of naturalism in the church what, what Leo described concerning Freemasonry hundreds of years ago is kind of what we're leaning to now because we want to get rid of the sacred and lean on ourselves. And also I want you to see if you can unpack a little bit more. Like, how do we get here? Like, also answer, like, how do we get here so fast? Yeah. 
Well, I think, you know, I, I grew up in that period of time and, and what were we doing? We were landing on the moon and, you know, the, 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 the uh, explosion of, of new discoveries in science and medicine and technology. And there was an excitement about all that. And, but if we weren't careful, uh, what comes in then is that look at our generation, how we know better than every other generation. I think that's how it came in fast. Because it was kind of like just step aside, you know, and the the, the scholars, you know, self-professed scholars uh, who know better will tell you what to do. And what was, um, call it the trend of the time, was to put away with the silly nonsense of our ancestors who had this superstitious notion of faith, okay? And I'm using maybe their language, not mine, certainly, but... But in the, in the context of we're landing on the moon, right? So look at, you know, we know better now, I think is what it, it got in. It got in really, really fast. And so it was easier then to convince us, you know, sitting in the pew that this is a dawn of a new era. And, and, uh, and let, we need to do it this way. So let's strip out the sanctuaries. Let's turn these beautiful churches into conference centers um, you know, let's make the music more trendy and modern. You know, I could go on and on and on because we know better now. And I really think it had a lot to do with pride in that moment with the fever pitch uh, mm-hmm. feeling that we're landing on the moon. You know, so so look how much we know better than our ancestors. And 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 it was just it was easy uh, to convince people that. That um, that just as we know better now how to land on the moon, we know better now how to, you know, worship God and 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 to live as Christians. Would you say that also around that time there's some revolutions going on? We can look back through the course of history and we can say, and these revolutions they they always seem to harm the, the church, whether it was the the Protestant so-called revolution or the revolution that of 1848 in in, in Europe, these revolutions always seem to have some effect on the church, what some people would even call uh, Vatican II type of revolution, but the sexual revolution. Uh, right. was, can you talk about revolution and also how science, you talked about science, but also this, people had a new, there's new smell in the air about sexual freedom, so-called sexual freedom and these liberties. Right. Talk about that in relation to what the church were face, was facing at that time as well. Yeah, and I think uh, it's accelerated in uh, your and my era right now, but it began, didn't it, with the sexual revolution, which was this new understanding, okay, that, that uh, you know, while, while we talked about the nuclear family and, you know, wife and husband and children and things like that. Now we can talk about anything because look, again, we're landing on the moon, okay, over here, but look in the church, we know better over here. And so we uh, we began to, and here it is, the, the original sin, pride, you will become as gods and you will be able to dictate what's right and what's wrong now. Over and against, all right, over and against God and what's been revealed to us through divine revelation, sacred scripture, sacred tradition, uh, all of that can be set aside now because of the, and here I'll call it this way, the new science of Catholic faith, okay? Um, the new normal of Catholic faith. All of these, and, and we see it again, it's it's accelerated. 
uh, incredibly in our time right now, 2023. But uh, but wow, is is uh, but it, I, I think it began with that. That that was that era where okay, yeah, uh, we have a new understanding now because our generation was born, right? <laughs> I mean, but you know, there was some some um, uh, it was it was it was there was some good good things about you know wow, look at all the technology and the you know the medicines and the breakthroughs and all this stuff. It was exciting during that time, but but I, I think that, that um, again, if we're not careful, then pride gets in, and then we're know-it-alls about everything. And I think that got into our church. By the time you get to the seminary in the eighties, I mean, do you have do you do you start the sense that we're starting to lose the sense of sacred at that time oh, yeah. when you're when you're in seminary? Yeah, yeah, I and I always describe it this way. I look back and and at the time, you know, it just seemed a new normal, a normal. But uh, we weren't offered one minute of exposition of the Blessed Sacrament in all my seminary training. Okay, just to kind of give you an indication of what was going on then. And as far as confession, yeah, you know, you might want to go every once in a while, you know, but uh, we never talked about it. Um, our chapel had no kneelers. It was rows of chairs. Um, the 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 the, the um, blessed sacrament was MIA. You know, it was behind some kind of wall. Um, so you, you could kind of see what was going on at that time. And this was all through the '80s. So it was kind of getting entrenched. I feel at that time. And I just I I personally feel that uh, it was right after I got out of seminary. So I I I, uh, I was ordained in '88. But I always felt like 1993 was a, a pivotal year. And that's when um, Mother Angelica had her famous rant where she just went, that's enough. It was at, uh, I think it was at the Denver Youth Conference and uh, where a woman depicted Jesus in the, uh, the, the uh, Stations of the Cross. You dare portray Jesus as a woman under the guise of mime. In the place where the Holy Father is knowing what the church teaches, knowing what he thinks and how he feels, you have the gall to do such a thing. No, you made a statement that was not accidental. And this is just as much a lie as the lies we got last night. I am so tired of you liberal church in America. And everything you've ever done has gone in silence. Nothing, nothing you've done. From your witchcraft to your enneagrams to your centering prayer. To all this earth spirituality. To replacing holy water with sand. To destroying our churches and closing churches that are viable and, and ready to go. No, this is not an accident. And we've swallowed this now for 30 years. And I'm tired of it. We have swallowed enough of your idea of God. And you have really no God. You have no dogma, no doctrine, and no authority. Because the only authority in the Catholic Church is our Holy Father and the Magisterium. And you have disclaimed that. You don't believe in the Eucharist. You don't believe in the Immaculate Conception. You don't believe in the virgin birth. You don't believe in Mary's power of intercession. 
You don't believe in religious life. You don't believe in being a spouse of Christ. You do believe in teaching to little children of the third grade sex education. You do believe in forcing centering prayer and forcing inclusive language upon us. And now you depict Jesus as a woman. You're sick. Uh, but she just went on this rant and um, and it was Father Dolan. I think it was Father Dol uh, Dolan at the time before he became Archbishop Dolan. But anyways, um, so he was actually introducing her in that episode. But what happened is that she just went, that's it. Okay, we've had enough of this. And, and I really feel, and that was at the 15th anniversary of John Paul II's pontificate, okay? And what was he doing up until then? Well, he was kind of just kind of building trust and support. And now all of a sudden, EWTN overnight became the most popular show. It, was, it's, it didn't come close to uh, to rivaling um, uh, Fulton Sheen, but but it was popular with Catholics. But what did what did what was she proposing? She put on the uh, traditional habit. Uh, she went back to that more of a reverend mass. Uh, adoration, talking about confession, the Blessed Mother, all these beautiful devotions, the saints. And people were just like, they were hungering for this and they were tuning in for that. Yeah. And I actually, I had the same experience in my parish when, when I went that way later. But it, it was kind of a pivotal moment. Then I believe John Paul II became more outward in his teaching about returning to the sacred. You can, I think you can whittle all of his teachings down to, to, to this return of the sacred he was calling us to, like Mother Angelica and EWTN at the time. So heretofore, was Mother Angelica not as traditional? I, I think she was kind of walking with the modern times. I mean, remember the habits were, you know, they were shorter and, um, you know, she wasn't, you know, I, kind of what we are doing as priests right now. We don't want to offend anybody. We don't want to go too far, you know, this, uh, this idea. And, uh, and she just finally, you could tell, she just finally went, <laughs> I'm done with that. We're going full in. But see, this is what, this is what I'm, I'm saying is that it, I believe as she, as she came to believe, I believe because she just took a chance. But I've come to understand that we priests are doing the same thing. We're tiptoeing. We don't want to offend anybody. We don't want to get the parish to get destroyed. And so we don't do what she did, is just go full on in embracing the treasure chest of our Catholic faith and, and leading that people then into the divine life. She just went full on. It. She said, you know, that's it. I'm, I'm done. We're going to do this. I did the same thing, in essence, in my mm -hmm. parish uh, and the results, if there was a immediate, there was a, a what you expect, you know, the, oh, we don't want this, and we don't, pre-Vatican II and all this stuff. Uh, I went through all that, but then what happened? Then there's the, just this flood of young families that came in and went, where has this been all my life? Because, see, they weren't subjected to the indoctrination of the post, the immediate post-Vatican II uh, era. Uh, and so they're going, why haven't we been doing this all along? You know, uh, in one way, shape or form, that was how they were react reacting to it. And what did they become? Just devoted, beautiful, devoted Catholic families. And, and then that became contagious to all their peers. And their peers were like, what did you find? <laughs> you know, I want, I want in on that. 
You know, and so that's to me, that's what's necessary in our times, but we're afraid. Like Mother Angelica was up until 1993 when she just finally just threw her hands up and, and went the way she did. Uh, but, you know, I, I, just, I just feel like that's what we need to do. We just need to just, just let's just do this. And um, it, like Jesus said, you're, you're either with me or against me, you know. Um, and I, I, that's what I believe. But I, I think we're doing a lot of tiptoeing or nothing at all right now because we're afraid. Yeah. Look, looking back, what would you say was that one turning point for you? If you could say something that your mother Angelica moment where you said, okay, I need to do something different. Well, I can tell you that uh, I was intrigued very much and I was tuning into Mother Angelica, but I wasn't all the way there until I went on sabbatical, my 10-year sabbatical in 1998, and I experienced my first papal mass with John Paul II. And um, I sat there, and I'm making a long story short because I love telling the longer part, but here's the shorter part. But I sat there, and all the sacred music started, and I'm in this basilica, this incredible basilica, and uh, I'm I all of a sudden the procession starts and it's like the military honor guard coming in. You know that's the way I describe it, and and beautiful vestments and the swinging of the incense and the sacred music, not not the frilly contemporary, and all of this and and um, and just there was this powerful sense of reverence, and it's almost like a you know I just whoa. And I, re I, I now understand that I received in the most significant way the Holy Spirit gift of fear of the Lord, or I call it awe and wonder. Because fear of the Lord, biblical fear of the Lord, doesn't mean he's going to club you over the head. Fear of the Lord means, I love you so much. You're so amazing that I'm afraid of ever offending you. You know, we, we got to get people to that point. Okay? Mm -hmm. So recently I did something um, that I felt compelled to do. And I was with my parishioners and I asked them all, will you start out with me? And let's start day one, uh, which will be the following day, that next Monday. And will you pray this prayer with me? And I'm going to hold up the cards I handed out. But I, I made business card size of the prayer of surrender by St. Ignatius. But it just basically says through the whole thing, everything I have is yours. Do with it what you will. But it ends, um, your, lo your love and your grace. That's enough for me. If we can get ourselves and our people to that point, we will change the world. Okay. And so I was actually asking us to get into the divine life. All right. I think we're sitting outside the door or the veil or whatever you want to call it of the divine life. And we don't either know it's there at all, or we don't want to go in because it might ask us too much. And I've come to understand as a priest that that is the totality of what my priesthood is, is to get people to tear through that veil and enter into the divine life. Now God can do something with us. Once we're the apple of his eye, okay? And I love that expression because uh, it actually means when once you can see yourself in the reflection of the other person's eye, it's called the apple of your eye. You're that close, all right? Do we want to get that? Do we really want to love him? Do we really believe in the supernatural power of grace? Okay? Because if you're going to confession once every six months or a year, probably not. 
Okay, if you're going to, if you're missing mass every, probably not. Okay, if you're believing that abortion's fine, probably not. You're you're not in a state of grace. Not, not probably. You aren't. Okay. Um, so we got to get people to that place. Then what happens? Wisdom. We receive the gift of wisdom, and what is that? We start living, believing, teaching, following the mind and heart of God, not the world's heart, not the devil's heart, uh, the devil's way, the world's ways. We begin doing it as God wants us to do it. That's wisdom. And so that's where we're at right now. It's wisdom versus woke. That's what's happening in the world right now. Recently, we had the 17th Sunday of Ordinary Time in year A, of course, has a story from First Kings, um, Solomon. Yeah. Praying, you know, he's a, he's a very young king. Um, yeah. He's an anointed king of God's people. And he sounds like you. He just, just wants to serve the Lord, but he wants to have a good, uh, better understanding of how does he do this? How does he know good and evil? He's different than Eve in that, in that sense, right? Eve was, Eve was yep. more like an assassin. You know, she just wants to take it, but Solomon just wants to pray. But he prays for a gift of the Holy Spirit. And it sounds like that's what you received as well, that the gift of, fear of the Lord. And I just, yep. as we wrap up your lesson, I just want to um, see if you could talk a little bit more about how that gift of the Holy Spirit can like break through. Cause you start off your, your talk here to us talking about pride and, and fear, like fear is an issue. You know, if you're, if you're fearing repercussions, you're fearing consequences from the world that that's going to hinder you. So, and I think that's a big deal. And I wonder if we could talk just we can talk a little bit about that some more about how that gift can help direct us towards having a greater love for the sacred. So I experienced it personally, but then it was uh, solidified once I uh, got the teaching that Pope Gregory the Great actually ordered the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Well, he put fear of the Lord first. Well, my logical mind means uh, knows that. If I want to get to gift two through seven, I have to get through one first. And so I've come to understand that if you want to receive the supernatural power of God, the grace of God, the power of the Holy Spirit, you have to first receive the gift of awe and wonder. Okay, you have to be filled with awe. And you know what? As much as our generation believes it knows better than every generation, they're dead wrong because the church was excellent at getting at predisposing hearts. You would walk into these amazing churches and your voice would go like this because you knew God was there. And you would, like I did in, in, in St. Peter's Basilica in Rome in, in 1998, I, I, I was just, God's here, like I've never experienced before. And in that moment I went, okay, thank you for this gift. I have to spend the rest of my priesthood getting everybody else to the same place. And so now, boom, all the gifts of the Holy Spirit come in because I received the first one, the doorway, the gateway to all the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Father, if that's true, there's no reason why it sounds so logical, um, just, on, just on an intellectual level. That, that makes a lot of sense. Right. But if that's, if that's true, then... We have, we have a big problem because I think yep. we're just searching for this awe and wonder in all the wrong places. We're looking on TikTok. Right. We're looking, you know, pornography. It, it's just like everything that the we're, world has set up, commercialism God. and yeah. just everything. Yeah, everything is set up for us to pursue 
awe and wonder in places that lead to hell. Yep. And and those are it's like worshiping Baal and and you know Moloch and but these are these are the gods of our modern era. That in other words, once we put them ahead of God, once they have a greater priority in our lives uh, uh, above God, they become our small g gods, and we're worshiping them because we're giving them authority or or, or the deferential treatment in our lives. And so it's it's uh, it's it's so I want to get people to this place. But that means that we have to admit that we went through a period of, 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 of weakening our faith for God knows what reason, okay? And I do think it was pride. I think the scholars of the time knew, felt they knew better. And it, what an abysmal failure. We've got to recover a sense of the sacred again, okay? Let's beautify our churches. Let's worship God uh, as if it is God, you know, not as if God's not there, you know, but let's worship as if he's God. And, and let's do everything we can to predispose hearts, to prepare hearts, to receive the full measure of awe and wonder before the Lord so they can turn over their lives. I love you so much. You're so amazing. I'm afraid of ever offending you. Fear the Lord, Right. I'm afraid of ever offending. Now you have wisdom because now every decision, everything you're doing in your life is God's will, not your own, not man's, not the world's, not the devil's, okay? Of course you don't kill babies. Of course you don't send eight-year-old boys to surgeons and so on and so on. You get this wisdom where you can say the words, of course. <laughs> it's not God's will, so of course I don't do that. You know, That's where we need to get people, but I believe that we need to get them into that on wonder and then now they've torn through the veil the gateway and now they're in the power of god father help us get there would you pray that prayer of saint ignatius i would love to in the name of the father son the holy spirit amen take lord and receive all my liberty my memory my understanding my entire will all I have and call my own, you have given all to me. To you, Lord, I return it. Everything is yours. Do with it what you will. I on, my only hope is for your love and your grace. That is enough for me. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Brother Haman, thank you for this lesson. Thank you, David. God bless you.